Cup has landed. On today's episode, we try not to say it's coming home, even though it definitely is, as England steamroll Iran. We discuss if Argentina have fooled us again into thinking they're a serious candidate. Are Qatar the worst team to ever play in the World Cup? Maybe. Gareth Bale times Wales equals inevitable. Hold and leave it late, and then we review the boring, boring draws between Mexico, Poland, Denmark and Tunisia. All that on today's episode. Um, we have our stellar World Cup lineup. Um, the old head, the experienced player in Hugh. How are you, Hugh? I'm very well, thank you, mate. Very well. How are you? We have... I'm good. I'm good. Um, I'm looking forward to getting into this. We have our now Denmark correspondent, Joe, on the call. How are you, Joe? Hello, hello. Good morning. Good evening. Good afternoon to all the listeners <laughs> over the world. I'm good. As you can tell, it's a, it's an evening here in Denmark. It's all grey. It's dark. So... All good, but looking forward to tonight's episode. Should be an interesting one. Maybe not so much the Denmark game, but the rest of it was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, mate, that's all on you, the Denmark game. So you add as much <laughs> character and flavour as possible. Um, and then we have our, our newcomer, our upstart, who won't get back on the bench, and that's Ashley Blair. How are you, Ashley? I'm good, lads. Happy to be back for round two. He's on a yellow, but he's still here. He's played this one. No more zingers. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it easy I'll take it easy today please don't um, okay <laughs> so I think the schedule that we're going to do it is we're just going to go through them in terms of when they were played so we'll obviously start with the opening one before we get into it I just wanted to add no one on this podcast or the opening ceremony because they didn't show it um, in England they didn't show it on the BBC so there's not a lot we can add on that I saw Morgan Freeman was there that's interesting he must be paid a lot of money no shocks oh. I did see that. That was the only thing I did see. Oh, how was it? Well, was I saw it that about? on Twitter today, so I don't think it was too much more. Mm. I'm surprised Morgan Freeman isn't just like a hologram now that they export in for special occasions. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that would be more cost effective, to be fair. The sort of two pack version, just dilute it <laughs> and just play it on repeat. You could probably make that just from the things he said in movies. He says a lot of wise things. Um, the other thing that I wanted to add was that this is the first World Cup where there's three female referees, including the first ever African women's referee the Men's World Cup. So despite all the you know things about us saying that it's not diverse and there are many problems, which there definitely are, um, that is one nice little pocket um, of progression. Mm, definitely definitely I mean you've got the female referees playing their part it actually seems like um, despite some of our thoughts and some of our expectations that uh, the games are being played on good quality fields with good quality refereeing in the most part a bit, uh, a bit shaky when Qatar was playing but uh, <laughs> yeah I mean from the most of it and also listening to some interviews of fans outside the stadium who haven't been held at gunpoint. They, they, they seem to be saying that the, the atmosphere is good, that there is beer available outside the stadiums, and that uh, generally it's being hosted all in quite good faith. Well, you raise that point because I don't entirely agree with everything you said, but I wish I did. Um, on to the Qatar game. So, Qatar 0. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. No, no, you can't. <laughs> Please do tell, Jackie boy. Well, I, I was gonna, I was gonna lead you into it. So, in fact, no, it's in the England game. Do you know what? We'll just talk about it now. Then, 
you put me on the spot. So for the England game, the uh, ticketing app went down. So at least sort of a couple of thousand England fans were stuck outside the stadium for a fair chunk of the first half. Um, they weren't given any communications on what was going on or how they could actually get in. And you think like they've spent so much money on the ticket and then on the hotel and then on you know the flights and all of that stuff. There's probably not a lot to do. They finally get to the game and then they, and then they miss half of it. So the organisation was pretty terrible for what was literally the second game um, of the tournament and probably one of the biggest fan presents of the tournament. So still some work to be done, I reckon, for, for the organisation. Yeah, true. I mean, I have to say I have been quite surprised, though, with the amount of international fans that have showed up at the game. All of the, the talk beforehand about there being you know paid fans and um everything else i think that it's, it's very interesting to see see actually the the presence there by good uh by all of the fans from international community i'd agree with that i have noticed though in at, at all games it seems like the stadiums aren't full in every single one there seems to be a lot of empty seats and i find that quite suspicious because they don't always show that on tv so it's a bit of a weird one i get the feeling that maybe not as many fans traveled as as you'd think, the ones on the ground aren't allowed in the stadium because they are paid fans. That's just speculation. But I'd expect full stadiums at a World Cup, personally. Yeah, and there has been a few dubious numbers reported. I think <coughs> a couple of the games, they've reported more than the capacity, despite there being empty seats visible on TV. <laughs> so I feel like those are the only discrepancies that yeah, you might want to have a quick look at. Yeah, an extra 7,000 people were in the stadium, 100%. Don't worry about doing a head count, just trust us. <laughs> but the, the, one, the one positive I like so far is the amount of injury time that's been played. It almost feels yes. like there's a whole quarter of a game you're gaining over each 90 because there's like 6 to 12 minutes added on at the end of the 90 or at the end of the 45 Oh, that's quite it's crazy what was uh, what was the England game it was something like 14 minutes before half time I mean I have to say that the, the the decision around the concussion was pretty crazy I mean he looked like he was completely out of it but uh, don't want to go into the first game too fast you know we have some structure here on the pod hold, hold your horses to. I know, I know yeah, we all yeah. want to get to England that's why we're here but we have to do Qatar 0 Ecuador 2 and we just have to do it that's the rules. We cover it all. So here's my thoughts initially. In the lead up to the game, there was a lot of allegations that Qatar bribed about six Ecuador players. Didn't look like it to me, if I'm honest. <laughs> I don't think those bribes were big enough and they might have missed out Valencia because he seemed to be playing to actually win. Um, main controversy was like after three minutes, the sort of offside disallowed goal. Does anyone have any thoughts on this disallowed goal? Because I found it very confusing and I'm not totally sure why it's offside still. You was offside, wasn't it? So, if I can... if I can, You know, it's supposed to be because when the goalkeeper came out, he punched it out of the, the Ecuadorian player's reach. And when the goalkeeper came to punch it, I think it got knocked on to Valencia, who scored. But the Ecuadorian player's uh, leg was underneath the goalkeeper's legs which meant the Ecuadorian player's knee was beyond the goalkeeper's legs and therefore it was offside well I didn't see that I just saw his knee offside in that weird kind of hologram thing they got 
Exactly. But the goalkeeper, if you think of like the goalkeeper on top of him, basically straddling him at the same time, that was that was kind of how it went. The goalkeeper jumped, punched. The guy got a nice little lap dance from the goalkeeper, and <laughs> and then uh, somehow that means it's offside. I don't know. I mean, realistically, the goalkeeper came and purposely tried to punch it. So does that mean that because it's accidentally knocked on that it's offside? I don't know. I feel like it gave us a nice bit of controversy that we could all sort of look at and think, okay, there's a conspiracy going on here because that's definitely not the right decision. Um, it gave us just enough to talk about before then they just got steamrolled by Emna Valencia of West Ham and Everton fame. Um, he's now Ecuador's top goalscorer of all time, which is pretty cool. Not that I can think of another Ecuadorian goalscorer, but still, still pretty cool. Um, what do you think about his second goal, Ashley? It was pretty good, wasn't it? Bang in. I think the ball in was unbelievable. It was like pinpoint. I think that was the best part of the goal, was the delivery of the cross. And it was a good finish, to be fair, but I feel like with a delivery that good, it almost looked like it was always going to go in. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, a bit of a blast for a part from the past for any Premier League fans, because I completely forgot about him. Like, he's just someone that kind of was, he came on the scene a couple of years, seasons ago, hasn't not really heard of him since, and then just making a name. I think he came off injured in the second half, didn't he, because he banged his knee. Um, mm-hmm. But I feel like someone like that, again, if they get a bit of a run together, he seems like the main man for the country, so you can see him banging a couple more goals. But again, Qatar are pretty poor, so take it up and just salt. Well, you know, Enna Valencia has been absolutely smashing it this season for his uh, his home club, Fenerbahce. I mean, he, he was a bit of a, a nomad, a bit of a wanderer for a while there now, wasn't he? But it um, seems like during the league this season, he's got 13 goals in 12 games, which Bloody is hell. a pretty pretty smashing record he's, he's, good record. he's come he's coming into the World Cup firing boys he's ready he knew he saw yeah I think he scored quite a few goals in the last World Cup as well so he he knew his time was coming he knew this was the season to do it he thought do you know what it's time I'm back I like that and do you know what he couldn't have had better opposition like I'll be honest I feel like Qatar are the worst team that's ever played in the World Cup I'm just going to throw it out there maybe it's a hot take maybe I'm not going to be on the next pod because I've been assassinated but I'm here to speak the truth and I honestly think they are so bad especially their goalkeeper Al Sheeb oh my days he's literally one of the worst goalies I've ever seen playing international football like you think they had 12 years right they had 12 years to like farm players from other leagues you know the way that like some African countries have got like Tarek Lamptey he was called up like two days before the tournament that, that wasn't a plan he only came good like two seasons ago and they still made that happen Qatar had 12 years to get a load of sort of like average Brazilians to move to Qatar and they didn't manage to do it and their goalie sucks yeah. so I don't know it's, I mean it's... What, what, what do you think Hugh what does anyone think like do you think they're that bad I think they're awful I've never seen Qatar play so this is like the baseline I'm led to believe that they're better than this. That's what I've heard. But it was pretty rubbish, wasn't it? Just a point, though. It's a bit, it's a bit different, though, in it. Like, if you have people, if you have players from Ghana or Senegal or any of these countries that get, as you say, farmed from the UK because they actually have a, a Ghanaian or Senegalese birthright, it's a bit different from Qatar saying to some geezer in Brazil, do you know what, if you come over to our country and you become a citizen and play for our, our country, we'll give you a shitload of money. 
I mean, it's it's. I think if you look at players like Tarek Lamptey, who potentially could have a England career one day if he didn't choose to be called up by one of the, was it was it Ghana or Senegal or who was Ghana. he called up by? Ghana. Yeah, if you look like if you look at Tarek Lamptey, and I think Ghana's been doing a proper recruitment drive recently. They tried to get Callum Hudson Odoi as well, but these players, you know, they are coming from Ghanaian uh, heritage. So I hear you. Proper. It make it makes sense that Ghana. But that... tries to call them up because they're proper players proper players so I think it's a bit different <laughs> I mean it's not like you've got some Qataris that are playing in the Premier League who are absolutely smashing it it's not like bloody um, William Saliba is actually a Qatari by birthright and therefore he gets brought into the Qatar squad yeah of course but in the build up to a World Cup you could look at people that are never going to get any caps like do you remember when Alex played for Japan for a bit that was weird <laughs> It was that kind of thing, you know, and they're like, if you come to Qatar, you'll have a great life, you'll pay no tax. After three years, if you want to be a citizen, you'll be a citizen. Maybe you play in the World Cup, you know? I feel like Pretty the easy shakes, to make it happen. The shakes of Qatar would not accept non-Qataris leading the national team. Well, you say that, Hugh, but the right back for Qatar is <laughs> called Pedro. Guess where he was born? Portugal. Guess when he moved to Qatar? 2016. Guess who's in the World Cup? Pedro, trailblazer. They got a Uruguayan international, I think, who's been living there about thirteen years as well. Imagine the amount of money you would get by doing that for thirteen years. Exactly. If I had no hope yeah. of getting in with the actual national team, I'd definitely do it. Be set for life. I can lie. You go for something years. sexier than Qatar, though, wouldn't you? Yeah, but if it's a choice of money and World Cup or no money and no World Cup, it's pretty easy. True. True. This is going to be the one and only judging by uh, that Ecuador game. Speaking of the Ecuador 100%. game, did you see the Ecuador fan winding up the shakes behind him? That was amazing, <laughs> yeah. wasn't it? That yeah. was incredible. That was quality. <laughs> he was doing the money thing. <laughs> it's bold. I feel like he might have found the beer and he's probably not going to Him and his daughter's gone missing. Someone should send out a little warrant just to make sure that they're okay to be found. Yeah. 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 Was he sitting in the Qatar section? <laughs> it looked like well, it. I don't know. He wasn't even doing anything that bad, though, was he? Just giving a little bit. But yeah, wasn't this so straight funny. after the penalty was was or the the goal was yeah. offside? I don't know. Yeah. I think it was when they scored. Yeah, that was risky. So there's yeah. one. I've got one question for you guys in general because in the build-up to to the England match. Um, the players were going to wear the One Love armbands, but they were told that if they did Harry Kane and Gareth Bale and Virgil van Dijk, they'd all get yellow cards in the other participating countries, so they didn't do it. However, the Qatar captain, I'm pretty sure, he wore a Palestinian flag on his armband as a gesture to raise awareness of all the people being killed in Palestine. I'd say that gesture deserves a lot of credit because we're very quick to say negative things about Qatar, about things that aren't right, but that was quite a big statement for you know someone who didn't I guess didn't need to do it so I don't know if anyone has any thoughts on that but doesn't both Qatar and Saudi Arabia and all of these Arab countries fucking hate Israel anyway so mm. it's not maybe it's not so much uh, mm. pro- promoting Qatar or promoting Palestine maybe it's more more that they just want to give a little uh, jab to the Israelis potentially that's a fair point I don't it's know possible. yeah it is possible mm, my thoughts on the whole right. yellow card thing is a joke like bear in mind Iran like people in actual jeopardy people actually could be in danger refuse to think of the national anthem 
which could have like real consequences. And then England are too scared to take a yellow card. It's just a bit like, oh, it's just a bit. I just don't want them preaching about it anymore, to be honest, because if it's just mm-hmm. a yellow card that makes them change their minds, then mm-hmm. it's just a bit hollow. Isn't but it? Hearing all of these things, isn't it quite funny how this World Cup has become all about politics? Exactly, it's about the football. Come on, guys. Let's get back to the football. Let's get on with England. I'm sick of talking about Qatar. No offense, Qataris. It's all about the football. No more politics, please. I feel like a disabled person. I feel okay. okay. I am a migrant worker. Jesus, I this feel guy. like a woman. All right, so let's just get on with England. Goodness. You, you know, he really thought he was onto something when he made that. Oh, he literally thought he was having his like Martin Luther King moment, and he was like, "This oh, is going to blow people's God. minds when I say this." I thought it was a parody when I saw it. It wasn't a parody. It's actually quite quite crazy stuff. I can yeah. relate to migrant deaths because I was ginger. And I'm <laughs> no, I was, a, I was a <laughs> Yeah, okay. Same, oh. same thing, mate. Same thing. Oh. Honestly, it's crazy. It's a crazy world that we live in. Yeah. Amen. Anyway, on to the yeah. spicy stuff. England six, Iran one. Boom! It's coming home. First thing, it's coming home. Iran two. Oh, it was two. Sorry. You know what? I didn't even count that last goal because it was just a cheap shot. You're too excited. You're too excited. Yeah. I wrote I wrote these notes and I stopped writing them at 97 minutes because I thought the match was done. Silly me. Sorry. Iran 2. You can have your pity, pity goal. I hope it makes you happy. Consolations of all consolations. I think it was a banging really good way to start the World Cup. I think, especially when you consider everyone in the England group I think we're the only group that has all teams in the top 20 FIFA rankings. So Iran, obviously probably the weakest of the four, but still top 20. I think it was a really big statement to make. And especially the scorers. I think especially what happened with England after the Euros, to see Saka score, two, is amazing. Rashford to come on straight away, score, is really good. Obviously, happy for the other scorers as well. I'd agree with that. I'd like to also say if you sent a racist tweet to Saka or Rashford, you don't get to enjoy this game. <laughs> you don't get it. You don't get it both ways. So uh, just remember mate, that. They're still sending them, though. I want to bring this up, actually. Really? I, was, I thought there'd be like a universal love for, for Rashford and Saka, especially after the match. But honestly, football fans are so toxic, at least on Twitter. Um, and I feel like. This is why England will never. Maybe we struggle so much is because we can't throw throw away our kind of our, our domestic side that we support. You know, what I mean? it's just so tribal. But I think if you saw the Italian fans, they would do. They've done exactly the same thing. True. The Serbian fans, I'm sure, are doing the same thing. I mean, unfortunately, when people are giving a voice to be able to promote whatever thoughts they might have at whatever given point of time they will mm. you know and Twitter now going back oh god the politics button's been pushed again <laughs> sorry lads <laughs> we can't help ourselves can we it's just all political we literally won 6-2 we're just moaning about racism within like the first oh, minute but mate. it's important yeah, it's important let's just say look it's coming home it's coming home it thank you the it's coming home klaxon that's two times now that's two although times. come on guys let, let me just ask you know who else is it just me that thinks that it's coming home in the first game. 
and then we're going to absolutely flop it when we come against the USA. It's going to be a traditional Harry Maguire at the back, Connor Cody, fucking Ben White marathon Oi. of them just passing it around, waiting waiting for something to happen. Maybe we get a 1-0, maybe we get a 1-1. I think I just feel like it's going to flop the next game. It feels like standard England tactics to give us so much hope and then just dashed. Mate, those first two names I could have agreed with, that last name, take that back, mate. Take that back. <laughs> Benny Blanco. Now, I, I I, think it's a very good start to the World Cup. Like, I don't think we could have asked for... Like, I think I predicted 2-0. Like, I don't think we could have got off to a better start. I think it's important, given the other result in the group, which I'm sure we'll talk about later, that we carry on that momentum forward. But I think... Mm-hmm. In in terms of the the team that he played, I think he set up a really balanced team. Like I think took I guess a bit of, bit of a risk um, starting Saka, arguably because I know he's not been consistently starting. I think it was a toss up between him or Foden, but I think Foden got injured, so Saka got to start. But I think the team looked really really balanced. I think Bellingham in the middle was quality. I think the whole team looked assured, and even though he took a lot of criticism this season, I think Maguire. Like, he was more of a threat going forward. I think there was a few things offensively. He probably did things that weren't 100%. But I think going forward, I feel like, especially for Saka's goal, it came as a result of him winning the header against two of the Iranian players. Um, and then going, and then, yeah, Saka getting the goal. Um, so I think, yeah, as a as an opening game in a tournament, like, you look at some of the other teams in the performances or the results... I don't think we could have asked for more. Yeah, mate. We're an informed team after a few games, but I'm feeling good. Bellingham mm. in particular, I thought was excellent. It's it's actually yeah. disturbing how good at football he is already. There doesn't seem to be anything he can't do. And he's getting too good from a Liverpool perspective. That's how I feel now. <laughs> I think he needs to have a bit of a quiet game. Just relax. Stop adding so much, so many more like pounds to your price tag. Just chill. Chill, dude. Mm. What's quite nice, though, is that he's being backed up fully by Declan Rice. I don't think Bellingham could do what he was doing if Declan Rice wasn't providing that cover. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I think the two of them in midfield is such a, such a nice surprise to see that with all of the midfield talent that we've got, we've actually got quite a nice balance now with Bellingham and, uh, and Rice. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. Mm. One thing that stuck out to me during the game was that there's actually so many leaders in the in the like starting lineup now. Like Trippier's the captain of Newcastle, Kane's captain of Spurs, Declan Rice is captain of West Ham. I feel like Sterling's a leader in England within the sort of unit. I feel like he's one of the the main voices. Bellingham's already he's already the Don of Dortmund. Maguire was captain, so we'll give it to him. You know, there's just like there's a lot of maturity. There's a lot to like about it. They all know how to kind of go through tournaments and. Yeah, they don't like get too concerned about what's happening. So I just honestly feel like we're in a great place at the moment. Amen. It's very true. I predicted now on this one, so I feel like I got it right technically, aggregate wise. Vindicated. Yeah. Nice. I just thought it'd be a freshman. I didn't realise the Rams were so high up in the rankings, but they're really, really big. Oh, can I Not anymore, baby. They're going yeah. down, down, think- down. I think it's got you got to take it with a pinch of salt because I think of their qualifying and the teams that they're playing. I think they're in the Asia qualifying. I think you got South Korea, Japan, are probably the only. No, but this is it. Teams. I was looking at their recent 
their recent games, they had really close games with Italy, with Germany. Um, they've actually had a really strong run coming into this. So, I don't know, I think it's a big win. I feel like England players, we haven't won this year, right? So, mm. like they've got a lot to prove going into this Yeah, and what do you guys think of um, Harry Maguire back in form? I don't, know. I don't know if he's back and forth. He was at but... goal, the Taremi's goal, 100%. If we're being really mean, because he did assist it like, like Ash mentioned for Saka. <laughs> but I mean, he was, he, was, he, was quite good. he was at fault completely. He got flat footed, didn't he? So, the yeah, classic Maguire still performance. not a very good defender. But it turns out, international football, just bringing a huge guy with a huge head, just wheeling him forward for corners, it's actually a really <laughs> good weapon. That don't need to overcomplicate it. Like most teams have never come across a Harry Maguire before. You just lump him forward and just fling him at the ball. Mate, hit the crossbar of one header, got the assist for Sackers. He's he's an absolute weapon. So oh, mate, I still remember his goals for Hull City. You remember when he used to play for Hull City? Big old fucking Northern lad, Slabhead, comes through. What's changed, Imagine, imagine, imagine if you're a, like an Iranian player that plays in the Iranian league and you just see this big fucking head coming at you. Exactly. I panic. Exactly. So he he's an asset. Last ten minutes, I say, if we're losing, just bring him on. Just play him up top. See what happens. One thing, uh, one player that I didn't see much of, and that might be because uh, kind of watching the game whilst working, as I'm sure most of you were here. Two a two p.m. match over here. One p.m. in the UK. Um, Hopefully my employers don't hear this message. Uh, <laughs> but did did you guys see Mason Mount much? Because I didn't really. Everyone said he played quite well, but I didn't really catch him. And of course, I'm, I'm Chelsea boy, so I've got to know what my players are doing. He was a bit anonymous, really. It was actually a, an attacking formation from Gareth Southgate, believe it or not. Because Calvin Phillips out, we sacrificed him to Mason Mount in the team. And we had that double mm. pivot, like you guys mentioned, Bellingham and Rice, who were really good. And they should be our starting. Um, the 4-2-3-1, baby. It's but, the best formation yeah. in the world. Mount, he's got to go, bro. He's got to go. Out of the starting 11, I think. There's a lot of pressure oh. on his spot. You've got Foden breathing down his neck. You've got James mm. Madison, who everyone is gagging to see play. James Madison is the golden boy going to the tournament. Yeah, so. all Madison is a wild card. Mm. But I feel like Foden is justified as starting over. I think Yeah, I think Foden as well. I think Foden's got to get the shot. Phil David Silver Foden. Yep. Love yeah. to see I mean, it. Come on, that little that little pocket behind uh, Harry Kane as a striker. That's that's perfect. What I will say though, quickly, is Saka has cemented his status as England's best right winger. Undoubtedly, undoubtedly. Mm. But I don't think it's any. Someone, I don't think it should be up for debate. Someone on this podcast was saying that Phil Foden should start on the right wing before the World Cup started. Not naming names. <laughs> well, I know it wasn't you, and I know it wasn't Ash. So I'm like, was it me? It's got to be the salt, salty chip. It can't have been me. You I'd never say that. Right. I'd never say that about Lord Saka. I love Saka. Joy Liverpool, mate. Come on. That second goal. That second goal. <laughs> we haven't spoken about it. I don't know. It's one of those weird Saka finishes where, like, did he mean to do that? Was it a deflection? But lethal, the same. So Who cares? There was Who cares? a great there, goal. There was a tweet that was released yesterday and it shows a clip of Arteta doing a coaching thing with like Jeremy Lynch about cutting in and dummying and then they showed you the next clip is Saka doing the exact same thing I'll see if I can find it it's actually well sick because it shows you like he's obviously applying 
what he's being taught and it was just really cool. Goal. Oh, only on an international podcast would you get two Arsenal fans trying to make it all about them. Oh, it's all no, about no. Arteta. Here the we go. Let's give the Eng- English Liverpool players their dues. Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> Hendo put some banging tunes on pre-game. <laughs> <laughs> on Zoom. Uh, uh. I don't think we've got any, have we? God damn. No. <laughs> that cuts deep. It's just Trent, isn't it? It's Trent. Trent and yeah, Hendo, isn't it? Trent. Mm. Is Hendo even there? <laughs> Wait, yeah, oh, can, can we just clarify? So even though Trent was on the pitch, or Trent was in the squad, and we didn't have Reese James, we still didn't play Trent. I think Trippier, yeah, Trippier, Trippier merited Trippier. it. Yeah. Trippier is so good. He's one of the most informed players coming into it. Yeah. Deserves it. Was solid. Trent's, <laughs> not, Trent's not getting on that pitch. As an England Mate. fan, I don't want to see it. I've got no interest <laughs> in it right now. How did Trent go from like number one to number three? Because he's, he's always been number three to defend. for England, though, isn't he? Gareth doesn't like him, so yeah, so a... for the record, Gareth is a defence first kind of manager. So you would look at defenders and go, can they defend? And if they can't, he's not going to pick you straight mm. up. So I mean, it was the attacking lineup, right? But it's still five at the back. So this is as expansive as it gets for Gareth. Yeah, but good game. Good game though. Yeah, good you know, game. we can't spend all of our time here on England. It's uh, no. we'd love to, but uh, good point. Good games, good yeah. result. We got the USA on Friday. Even though I suggest that um, I think we're gonna flop. I mean, I really hope we don't. I really hope we don't. I really hope it keeps coming home. Um, well, let's talk USA. Especially, especially against the septic tanks, and then, you know, fingers crossed, we can give them a good thrashing and bring home the civil war. Uncle Sam's not going to appreciate that. That's a lot to unpack there. A lot of bits we're going to have to leave on the, the cutting room floor. Yeah, that's that. Cutting loose. Yeah. Right. I think. I sorry, think take... sorry to all of our our US fans out there. Honestly, it's all in good jest. It's all in good jest. Yeah, I should. We should you have told this off camera, but they're actually our biggest listenership at the moment. So you better quiet it down. Like USA are going through as well. I, I'm. Yeah. They love a bit of healthy banter. The USA watch, you know, they create their own version of the in-betweeners to get healthy banter. So, And they've got extremely good football chants as well, so we can't knock that either. <laughs> I <laughs> believe we're going to win. All right, no, there's too many cuts. The editing room's going to get okay. too much, Jack. Roll this shit. All right. Keep going. Let's, take, no, let, let's just take a break. Let's compose ourselves and come back. <laughs> For any England fan, really. So let's kick it off. Ash, what did you think? I thought it was a good, good game. Another good game. Um, I thought like USA in the first half were pretty solid. The I think their goal was really, really good. Well taken. I think it was what Pulisic to Weir. Um, yeah, really good finish. Yeah. Yeah. Like I think that was like I think any kind of football that's just quick movement. I think it's just so easy on the eye. I think it was a well taken goal. Um, and then yeah, Bale's penalty. It was a pretty decent pen. Like I think he he hit. I think the placement was good enough, but I think it was the power that beat Arsenal's number two. Um, but yeah, I think probably, like, probably a fair-ish result. I feel like USA probably could have won. I think especially in the first half, they had a lot more chances before scoring. But I do think that overall, one-one. I think especially as an England fan, probably take that as a result. 
absolutely absolutely it was a good game um actually really surprised <laughs> i thought the usa was actually going to do something in this tournament given the uh the depth in the squad that they have uh, it's early days still you know but um they do have a really good squad of top talent from uh, from across the european leagues so you know and i think if any time was the time that pulisic needed mm. to shine it's probably going to be this tournament to reinstate both his uh, club career, but also his international career. Given that uh, I think there are a few few players in the USA squad now that could be uh, taking over that mantle of uh, Captain America. Did you? Sorry to interrupt. Did you see there was that clip from that American show um, where they're saying? So it's like it's called like porn porn stars. So basically, it's a like a, a porn shop in Las Vegas where they porn items and someone brought in a Pulisic t-shirt and the guy the guy said he's the LeBron James of soccer it went went viral because it was like what is this take what is this take not happy about Um, that so yeah the LeBron James of soccer put some respect (laughs) on his goddamn name he's going to be a hell of a right wing back for Chelsea very serviceable um, I feel like Wales Wales made a hash of the first half. I feel like USA played like very much like Leeds, very intense pressing, like very in your face. But ultimately, Wales just fucked it up. Rob Page fucked it up. Wales fucked it up because they didn't play Kiefer Moore. As soon as they brought on Kiefer Moore, they had a focal point. Hmm. He could get like he could take the ball, knock it down to Bale or to Ramsey or whoever was buzzing around, and then they actually got control in the game immediately. So. Kiefer Moore to play every game because if you've got a guy who's like six for eight, that's quite that's quite a unique weapon. We were just talking about Harry Maguire wheeling him out. You've got a more mobile, mm. taller, more dangerous version. Just use him, mm. you know. The USA, we're not used to that. No, I always feel like Wales play football similar to the way that they play rugby, though. They play <laughs> they play with that flat line, normally that four four two flat line, which is horrendously boring to watch sometimes but they just love to hoof it up to the big man and try and get some knockdowns but I thought in the second so, half they, they, they definitely is... pressed they were definitely higher up which is I mean in USA for me just had no answers to it maybe that was Keith Moore inspired to be fair the big Trojan horse because they had the outball mate. yeah they lump it straight to Keith and then Moore. just run before they would just clear it to no one now he could actually hold the ball up I have to say though I'm I think fan. as an England fan you look at both those teams they both look like we can have them USA, you just got to st- stick it on them. I don't think they've got an answer. And Bale, I don't know if you guys saw this, but Bale and Ramsey, by the 70th minute, they were, they were done. Like, Bale was like, walking around, mm-hmm. hobbling. They're short of match fitness, and beyond them, I can't see Wales causing a problem either. No. You know Bale's been, uh, Bale's been trying to limit his minutes mm-hmm. in, the, in the LA team. His contract basically stipulates that he has a uh, full say over how many minutes he plays. Yeah. Wow. So, well, the Mbappe of LA. Four, oh, LA. He's essentially, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he scored. Um, he scored the yeah. winning goal. I think it was on the American Cup the other day. But he's he's basically said, okay, I'll have thirty minutes here, twenty minutes there. I don't want to get injured for the World Cup, so this is going to be. I will just play as uh, as much as I want to play. <laughs> well, I mean, if you can get it, I don't blame him. I'm sure Mane would have preferred the same contracts and players like that. Mm-hmm. Better to just be in. 
Lord. Why not? If someone's going to pay you to tell you when they work, we'd all take that contract. That'd be lovely. Yeah. yeah. And what was? It's always been Wales yeah. golf. Madrid. Whoever. Wales golf Madrid. <laughs> Mate, he always does it for Wales. He always comes up big. That penalty was always going in. He's actually the don. I love it so much. I love it so much how much he's annoyed an entire city just by being there and being good at football. <laughs> it wasn't even bad. He was good. So I think the the best thing I read about that whole Madrid saga was as soon as he moved to like one of the things that the Spanish media really didn't like about him was that he didn't speak Spanish. <laughs> then he moved to LA and then apparently one of the first interviews was speaking fluent Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, like, amazing. Like, that is so good. Like that's just what a way to like piss off an entire country. I think like especially the Madrid fan base, I feel like they get a pretty bad rep when they're not on a player's side and the media. So I think that's just proper good shit, Alsery mm. Gareth. Phenomenal. Uh, they did say he's been chatting to all of the Mexican players in Spanish and just properly getting on with them. This <laughs> is yeah, good lads, good lads. I love that. For a to- for a Tottenham lad, he's mm. quite a good lad. That- just a Wales player at this point. Yeah. Only, mm. only season he's not won a trophy in the last ten years. Fun fact. Like yeah. I suppose. Yeah, he won the American Cup. No, yeah, come on, Ash. No. You said that's not a trophy. No, so at Spurs was the only season he's not won anything. Ah, uh, well, since he yeah. left Spurs uh, as well. Oh my goodness. So like, so, the season, so like the season that he left, every season he's won something, other than the season when he was back on loan at Spurs. That's crazy. Uh, right. uh, that sounds uh, about right to me. Yeah. I mean, but, uh, no shocks there, really. Spurs don't Spurs don't sense. win anything. That's not a hot take. That's a fact. Anyway, as much as I love the Spurs bashing, I'd love boys, to I'd... because we've got too many games to run through. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> okay, Senegal zero, Netherlands two. Um, another game with loads of extra time. Cody Gakpo. There's a lot of hype about him, and I thought he was he was okay. But then he scored a really good header. So I don't know. Did he impress you guys? Good header. Yeah, I mean, he kind of, he seemed okay. He kind of reminded me a bit of all of the other Netherlands players that come from the Dutch league and share a bit of promise. You know, they could be good. They end up going somewhere else. You know, maybe they're going to be good. Are you getting Memphis Depay vibes? um, You know, Memphis Depay, Bergvine, um, all of them. Bergvine. All of every single uh, every single person from the Dutch league who scores thirty goals and then comes to a major league and maybe doesn't quite light it on fire. But you know, it seems like today I'm just a pessimist of the call, so I don't want to have that kind of that that, that stigma. Um, it looked quite good. I just wow, so positive. What a positive turnaround! <laughs> Oh, no, I'm turn- uh, in my old age, I'm turning into oh, more of your Graham Soonest kind of. I like it. I'm liking the character arc, mate. <laughs> Where but, is Pogba in this? That's a real question. Uh, glowing, glowing commendation. He's quite good. I'm going to concur. He looks quite good. He seems pretty good, eh? Very nice. This, this is some good analysis. So pe- people listening are going to be like, "Wow, these guys." I've learned a lot from this podcast. Quite a good player is quite good. In other. Let's I think just, no. Just as I'll give I'll give you some stats if you want. I think he scored. I think I, the point he scored something like thirty goals this season 
Do you mean he scored 30 goals already? That we can say. That's nonsense. Do you mean last season? Something like that. Get that fact checker. This is like a Newcastle 15th situation. I can't have this. It is. This feels. This feels. He's quite good, and he got saved. Yeah, one of those statements. He's not. He's not. He's not far off. So from what I'm seeing. In the 2022-23 season, he's got actually yeah, 13 goals, 17 assists. That's still Which, pretty good. That's, that's, I think I meant I meant goaling. Goal that's incredible stats. That's, 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 that's what I meant. Of course. That's crazy. So, 20, so he's played 24 games, 13 goals, 17 assists. I mean that Which, is quite good. That is quite good. So, Ash, so sorry, where do you are? You're on the line there. I am. Wow. I am. So quite, quite good. Quite good. He's quite, quite good. good. Yeah, he's quite good. <laughs> very, very good analysis from us. Hmm. So I, yes. I reckon he's going to move to uh, Man United and be quite rubbish. Hmm. That's how I. To replace Jaden Sancho, isn't it? Well, didn't didn't. Yeah, who's? Oh, he's God. gone. He's gone down the drain. He's gone now. Never to return. I think he should. Jaden should just leave. He's so much better than United. Mate, he's being put. Firstly, he's being ruined by them. He can't leave because he's on 350k a week. So why would he leave? He's now earning two. He's going to be like Martial, where in like five seasons he'll be like, God, is he still mm. there? He still hasn't scored a goal. It's just <laughs> sad how it's going that way so quick. Anyway, yeah, move on. Move it on. Segue. Um, no Mane. Senegal don't have a lot without Mane it turns out I thought Ismaili Sarr was quite bright but he's just not the same he plays the championship he's just mm. not the same and the players that I thought would be good for Senegal Mane not there Koulibaly not quite as imperious as I imagined him like not being the best at Chelsea he's not been bad don't, don't worry Joe I've got more to say Mendy oh my days Mendy is rubbish <laughs> now I totally get why Kepa's number one I don't know who this Mendy is. I don't know what happened over the summer, but it's not the same player from last season. It's like he's had his ability stolen by Kepa. He has been space jammed by Kepa. And Kepa has stolen his ability, and now he is Kepa. Because for both goals, he was really poor. I concur. For, for, for Chelsea... <laughs> Chelsea, I am on board with the fact that Kepa is playing better. That's a good thing. <laughs> However, every other part of your statement, I completely disagree with. He's just come back from injury. And, you know, goalkeepers get injured way less than outfield players. So coming back from injury is a different pathway. So I believe that he's just finding his way back to full fitness and that, uh, you know, forcing him into a World Cup straight away. It's, it's quite a bold move given that he only got back a couple of weeks ago. So, I would suggest that you have to give him time again, mate. He's only 28 years old. He's still very young for a goalkeeper. And to, to call a goalkeeper that won the Champions League about two years ago rubbish is um, pretty huge <laughs> compared to the amount, of, um, the amount of benefit of the doubt that you gave goalkeepers like carriers. Now, Joe, what you've got to realise with Jack Avendi is Jack has a real issue with Avendi. That, that, that actually dates back to before his injury. Which was West Ham. Jack hasn't forgiven West Ham or Mendy. So, ever since that moment, I've had it in for him. 
that was a moment that broke the Premier League in terms yeah, of penalties. So... And it's, it's, fe- it's fed into the World Cup now, where everything's a pen. And I put that solely at Mendy's door. In fairness, though, Mendy has been rubbish since before his injury, hasn't he? Just, just he's to call him rubbish again, Yeah, he's not. <laughs> it's, he's not been. He's not been. He's not been. Can at we, but like I think you're saying, depending on what was his injury. It's being rubbish. That's a good question. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think yeah. A severe lack of confidence. <laughs> yeah, I, I do think as well. Some players come back from injury. I think there's always that mental blocker of. Eva re niggling that injury again. So he, he may be going through that. Um but yeah, I do think for the the Yakpo goal, um he came out and he just got, got nicked, didn't he? Like, and he was just nowhere to be seen. And the second one, mate, a very gentle shot from Depay. Mm. He just gently caressed to Davy Classic. Yeah, he he parried it probably into the like, I feel like it was like an okay ish well, I think he should have saved it first and foremost. I think he was, yeah, he, I guess he tried to parry it away from goal, but it was just unfortunate that he literally parried it straight to another player who then yeah. just... Pr- I mean, there, there was only one, but, there was only I, one player I, in the box, can... so he, he could have parried it anywhere else. Mm. <sighs> I guess we're just going to spend the rest of the podcast just debating whether he's good or not, but the facts are the facts. <laughs> currently, he's rubbish. Maybe not Yeah, currently for me, bad. On... Currently. He's always been bad with his feet, isn't he? On a, on a. <laughs> now he's bad with all. Come of on, feet. lads! Come on, lads! Come on, let's let's not make this show about whether or not. Uh, Mendy's bad. It's too enjoyable. I cannot wait to cover Senegal again in a couple of days or whatever it is. No, I actually, yeah. <laughs> on a lighter note, did you see? Uh, did you see their dance that they did during their warm-ups? That really, I think that kind of brought a nice uh, spirit to the World Cup. No, I didn't. I didn't see it, I have to admit, mate. No, me neither. Tell us more. I, uh, well, I believe that uh, part of their warm-up, they had a, a good little dance um, as a team. So kind of showing together that team spirit, but also showing that you can have can have fun. <laughs> Which is probably why they lost 2-0. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> weren't quite in the zone. Uh, nice story weren't quite in the zone, the just enjoying a little sure, boogie. For sure. Yeah, I mean, but as a closing remark, just because we've got to move on, I feel like Netherlands are quite lucky to win overall. Like this, this probably should have been a nil-nil. I feel like the centre backs for Holland, VVD, Ake, De Ligt, probably the best individual group of centre backs in the whole tournament. But up front, they're so imbalanced. They're like the opposite of Argentina. So I don't know if they're going to do that well because yeah. it feels like. If they can't score any goals, and they were banging goals in qualifying, but they they didn't look like they were going to score at any point really. It's just going to be one of those unpleasant, turgid teams, a bit like England, you know, back in the day, just turgid, just grinding out these bad games. But get the result. That is how sometimes winning teams do it: just grinding them out, picking up form as they go. What do you mean so, back in the day? We're still watch. doing that. That's our that's our whole thing. Not anymore, baby. <laughs> we are liquid these days. <laughs> Oh, speaking, yeah, speaking okay. of liquid. But uh, good little, yeah, good little segue exactly. there into to Argentina. The best right? team yeah, in yeah, the world. Yeah. Currently, yeah, it's coming yeah. home to Saudi Arabia. That's what I heard. So, Jack, public take us through it. Public holiday. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. actually. It's all of us thinking. God, after the result today, the ruler has yeah, officially announced it's a public holiday tomorrow in Saudi Arabia. Well deserved. 
Well deserved. Oh, fantastic. That is unbelievable. Honestly. It'd be, it'd be funny after all of this chat that we're talking about of Saudi Arabia or, or Qatar bribing all of the officials and putting all of their money where their mouth is to try and get the win. Funny if it's actually Saudi that behind closed doors has been bribing all of the officials. No, you can bribe anyone in the world. You can't call those two guys bribes. They were too wildies, weren't they? No, they were very good. They were very good. They were class. They were class. Agreed, yeah. The first goal was extremely good. I mean, it was their first shot on the 48th minute. And after some very nice football, he gets the wrong goal. Running away from goal and takes up his left foot. Amazing finish, but a second goal. Best goal of the tournament, I reckon, so far. It was unbelievable. I'm going to try and do it justice. So it was like, the ball's up in the air. He, like, takes it down, stops it dead in its tracks. Then, like, pirouettes back towards goal, away from two defenders. Starts cutting away, just absolutely wallops it. No backlift. Oh, it's unreal. It's honestly, I didn't even know Saudi Arabia was this good at football. But I'm now convinced that we should have just backed Saudis and not Qatar. That's the real dark horse. Because they actually played really well. Like, they played with a ridiculously mm-hmm. high line. Extremely, like, organised. They played, like, like Liverpool in their pomp last season, where they're like, doesn't matter, you're going to be offside. They were very confident. And Argentina were offside, what, maybe like ten times probably. Three goals offside as well. So they played a dangerous game, but they pulled it off and it was really impressive. Yeah. That's a big statement. I think there. the thing I liked about them But fully agreed. Was, um this is the they're defending. Like I think one of their players got like pretty much knocked out in injury time. Like there was a few goal line clearances, the goalie was just making save after save, like I think it showed you that if a team in a country like pulls together, like you can encapsulate like a good team spirit, and I think they needed to do that to get the result. And I think fair play to them. Like yeah, they like I say, I think they defended really well, and I think in the end they like you think like Messi, they made Messi look normal and average. Which I think how many times Messi has destroyed one of our teams in a tournament, and yeah, they didn't give them the chance to do that. Emma. Speaking of Argentina, did you see the amount of offsides that they were given? It was actually ludicrous. Um, I think they were they had three offside chances. Um, one of my favourites being uh, Martinez, Loreto Martinez. I really enjoyed that offside because the finish was just absolutely class. He gave the goalkeeper mm. the eyes and he let the ball. I don't know if you saw this. He got he he get, got the ball past to him. And he just, he th- the goalkeeper thought he was going to take a touch and cut inside and shoot. He just let it go underneath his legs. Goalkeeper had no idea what was going on and he just did that nice little mm. chip over the top. It was really nice. It was, it was uh, really good. Beautiful goal. Shame it was offside. Um, really was. But uh, I don't know. It, uh, there's a lot of jokes about Argentina being offside that much. But if they can just sort that line out, maybe it's also a credit to Saudi Arabia's <laughs> defending putting that uh, mm. that high line mm-hmm. up there. It was obviously a yeah. game plan. 100%. Yeah. Actually, it's, uh, yeah. it's bold. It's very brave. It's really brave, and it worked. It 100% will backfire like, spectacularly at some point, but they nailed it in this game. Um, mm. One thing I've been thinking about, and it's proved to not be true at all, but I'm going to float it anyway, because why not, was... Is there supposed to be some sort of home advantage? Because we're playing in the Middle East, so should Middle Eastern teams have some kind of home advantage in terms of being used to the temperature or, like, the, I don't know, man, the pitch, the grass, the vibes, just all of it? I mean, it hasn't worked for Iran, it didn't work for Qatar, but for the Saudis here, so I was just wondering, like, in other World Cups, 
I feel like the climate plays a big part, like South America, European teams struggle. And I wonder, because it's the first Middle Eastern World Cup ever, if there's anything in that home advantage. What do you think? I think, aren't the stadiums fully air-conditioned? That was one of the things they mentioned, that the stadiums on pitch side, at least, are fully air-conditioned to be reasonable temperature. Yeah, I don't know, because it's about 30 degrees on pitch level. If you think Brazilians would be fine with that temperature, Argentinians would be fine. I think we're going to see the effects of the, the climate towards the, um, the latter stages of the tournament. Already we saw Bale and Ramsey that are absolutely dead on their feet yesterday. And I think that's going to be a recurring theme as the teams play more and more football. So I think rotation is going to be key for any success. But I don't think that, you know, Northern Hemisphere teams are going to suffer per se. I don't think there's like a, a massive advantage in terms of the climate. No. I mean, if you look at last summer for, for England, for France, for these countries, I mean, it was pretty much 40 degrees. Yeah. And you think Germany, so one in Brazil, didn't we're, we're not. So. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Good point. Good argument, yeah. Good argument, but... Um, but completely wrong. I'm not sure. <laughs> Message received. You know, with the... With the 200-odd billion that Qatar has put into their stadiums and uh, infrastructure to pay for this World Cup, I think high-tech um, air conditioning systems is, is one of the major things that they invested in. Should have invested in better goalkeepers is what I think, but anyway. Um, <laughs> a, la- a last thought, um, Invite 21. What do you think about Argentina? Just a blip or are they still just lopsided and actually aren't that good still? Blip. Blip. I think Blip. Yeah, yeah, I think I think they were what undefeated in like thirty six games before that. Yeah. So yeah, I, I feel I two thousand and nineteen as good as your last game, mate. That is true, but I feel like with the team that they've got, I feel like again, I think then with the results in the other group games, I think they're fortunate that the other teams didn't capitalise. Um so I think permit Nadies put it behind them, I think they can go on and do do all right. Nice. Well, I think that provides a nice segue into the two most interesting matches mm, of today. Mr. Denmark correspondent, yes. take it away, sir. So, yeah, we've got our live man out in Qatar. He's just finished the Denmark game. Denmark nil, Tunisia nil. Joseph, mate, tell us about the game. How was your experience? 90 second there? elevator pitch in three, two, one. <laughs> the game Quite was um, pretty, pretty dull, to be honest. That's, I, I hate to say. Um, I was watching it at work, and even it didn't distract me from some of the things that I was having to do work-wise. So it was pretty dull. Um, Tunisia came out for the first 20 minutes firing, which is actually quite nice to see. Tunisia being the, the underdog, <coughs> I would say, in this regard. Um, some good defending from, from Denmark. Um, Joachim Andersen was particularly good. I like to see a Crystal Palace man uh, being on the pitch. He, he, we know how good he is for Crystal Palace, so he did really well. Um, and then, you know, towards the end of the first half and in the second half, you saw Denmark regaining a little bit of control. There were uh, a few good chances. One in particular for, for Cornelius, where he tried to head the ball in a diving header and missed catastrophically. But um, <laughs> the the game overall, though, it, it was a bit of a, a lacking good chances and um, fluidity, I would say. Fair enough. Um, it's supposed to be a 95th minute handball or something like that. Can you shed any light on that? Is there anything in that claim? 
Mm. <laughs> <laughs> there you have it, everyone. Really. Joseph really. Tuckerty really. on the ground. We'll be back in a couple of days with more uh, from him. Uh, it came in. It came in from the corner. <laughs> wasn't uh, it hit him on the hand? I mean, yeah, is is one of those. It, it would have been, been very hard. Uh, and everyone, every. Everyone in my workplace was very keen on that being given, but uh, no, no. I mean, it wasn't wasn't all that. So, I think there's more to come from Denmark. I still think that they 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 could be a bit of a team to watch this tournament. But this first game, Tunisia, you know, backed up. They defended well. They were hard to break down, and Denmark needed a bit more imagination up front. Fair man. I think that's a very good summary. I had one question based on what you said. What's the atmosphere like when Danish people watch football and it doesn't go their way? Because we know what it's like for English people and it's pretty unpleasant. English people are not very nice about the players, shall we say. So what are the Danes like in comparison? Are they equally as competitive and get get quite unhappy quite quickly or a bit more level-headed? Yeah. Yeah, they're very competitive. Um, you you know, if we're talking about racial slurs and things like that I mean, those those don't come into no, play no. When the, the political angle isn't taken here but um i mean they they're just as competitive as the rest of us um they don't like to see any of their teams lose they have uh, they're quite passionate about their their local teams and their national side but um yeah i mean today i felt like the the general vibe was that tunisia defended well they backed up well and that uh, just a, a nil-nil they'll take it it's the start of the tournament more games to come fair mate they sound like more mature people than us so I respect that um, right on to the last game <laughs> Mexico nil Poland nil um, I'm happy to just talk about this unless anyone really feels very strongly about this game you know they have these burning things they need to say I heard Lewandowski Mr Penn so that's <laughs> yeah that was the main thing that's shocking Lewandowski missed a penalty, no goals at the World Cup still in his career, and he had a great chance to break that duck. But he came up against, I'll say this off air, probably the greatest World Cup goalie of the modern. I was about period, to ask. Yeah, Ochoa. was he playing? Clean sheet for Ochoa again? He was playing, 37 wow. years old, fourth World Cup, I think. Mate, the guy is unreal. He was making save after save in this game, saved a penalty against probably the second best striker in the world right now. And I just expect that of him at a World Cup, to be honest. He just comes around yeah. every four years, and we're like, this guy's unreal. And then no one signs him, and we don't know what he does for four years. And then he's back with his crazy he's hair. The hair. He's amazing. The long hair. Oh, wow. Mm. It's his brand. It's his he's, he's a World Cup folk so, hero. He's going to go down as one of those, like, one of the best pub quiz questions. Do you know what I mean? He's, yeah, he's just mysterious mm. because you think, like, it's worth a punt. If he can do that at the World Cup, it's worth a punt. But apparently it's not, so I don't know what's up with that. But yeah, he gets very pumped when he plays for Mexico. Um, that's when he comes alive. Boring, to be honest. Exactly, and I think a good part of the reason where he, why he comes alive is the Mexican fans. <clears throat> They're the real MVP. They were my man of the match. They had big energy, and they were doing olays on the 40th minute every time Mexico passed the ball, which I thought was just you love to see it. Nil nil, 40th minute, the Olays ringing out across the stadium. Mexican masterclass. Uh, wonderful. But yeah, pretty boring and a result that neither two will be happy with because I feel like they're pretty evenly matched. And a win for either of them would probably put them very close to qualifying. So yeah, 
pretty boring. Anyone want to add on that? Otherwise, one last thing and then we're done, mate. The wrap-up is almost complete. So, a yep. little bit of non-World Cup housekeeping, but he's a very big topic and you can't not talk about him. Ronaldo has left Manchester United by mutual consent following his scandalous interview. Hugh, I'll let you go first. What do you think about that? I think it's fair enough. I think it's, I think it's what everyone wanted, deep down. I think Ronaldo only did that to engineer a January move. Suspiciously timed, wasn't it? Just before he went, he left Man United mm-hmm. for good. And I, I, I presume they're just not going to pay him out of his contract. So, you know, it's, it's a win-win for United because he wasn't playing for them in any meaningful way either. So, it makes sense. It's a really sad end though, isn't it? I think we can all agree that. Well, actually, no. I don't know if we could all agree, but I personally wanted to see Cristiano Ronaldo's Man United career to go end a bit differently than how it's, how it's happened. Because he is, he, he is the guy. He's still an icon. And... It was a bit sad. He essentially went back to Manchester United, didn't he? Because uh, Alex Ferguson gave him a call and said... <laughs> yeah, exactly. City. I mean, this, it wasn't... That was, yeah, not um, ideal. That's, that. Not the best kind of... But, but, you know, that's not... It's a move yeah. out of emotion rather than a move out of uh, brains and logic. Mm. You know, so maybe it wasn't... Probably wasn't the right move for him. Definitely wasn't the right move for United's. It uh, didn't come at the right time. And I think, you know, I don't know who he's going to go for next. Uh, <laughs> to be honest, we might find that Big Daddy Todd is phoning him up and getting him on the blower. For, I mean, Big Daddy Chelsea. Todd. Imagine I can that, Aubameyang and Ronaldo up top. <laughs> that's that's going to be a, a press-less team. I, I can, I can see, see it too. I can actually see that. I mean, Ashley, do you have any ideas on where he might end up? So I was saying maybe thinking of someone like Bayern... Like another European big team that's not going to cause any conflicts with previous clubs like Madrid. No conflict there. Juve, United. I think what's ironic was, yeah, him not going to City, probably trying to avoid him being like disliked by United fan base. Yeah, it's probably turned out in probably <laughs> arguably worse situation based on how it's ended. Um, yeah, but yeah, well. I, I think it's probably the best the best outcome for both of them. I think how he did it was timed and it was probably like the last straw like I need I need to get out I've probably tried he's probably tried everything to try and get out and that was the last last straw well, he, def- he definitely upset a few 100%, people 100% 100% I think actually he probably didn't upset the fan base oh I don't know mate thing here. I'm pretty sure the fans are pretty pissed off about it if you go on Piers Morgan and you start saying a lot of disrespect about the football team that everyone loves well the fans love you're going to have a bad time. Everyone. Yeah, I know. It's like, yeah. imagine this, like if out of nowhere, like Saka, speaking to the Arsenal boys, just went on Piers Morgan's show and just started slagging off Arsenal so he doesn't respect Arteta. You turn on him pretty quickly mm. it's about the bigger yeah. project. But but what we're, what he's actually saying, though... This is the thing. I will say he's this. Saying that they're, they're, he's saying their, their equipment needs to yeah. be upgraded. He says their training facilities need to be upgraded. He says that they, they haven't had any investment in any of the any of the active, uh, utilities outside of the team, training squad for 20-plus years. I think if you were a Man United fan, you would probably be saying, what the hell? He didn't say anything that was factually incorrect. It's just... You, you shouldn't slag off someone's paying you half a million a week. You know, it's just one of those. Yeah. He did say he doesn't respect Aaron Te- Eric Ten Hag as a manager. But then, you know, something's happened behind closed doors, which you knew already from him being dropped, him storming off. Like, there's so much more than that. So, 
I think the other pundits have like summarised it quite well, saying you, the way that he is as a person, you don't get to that level without being an ego, without being obsessed. And unfortunately, in this point in his career, he doesn't have the ability that he once had, but he still has the ego um, and the drive to be successful. Um, and I think, yeah, I, I agree that he probably did highlight some things that people probably weren't aware of, like about what was going on behind the scenes. But also, when you say you don't respect the manager... That's pretty much it, innit? That's like signing your death warrant. Like, I wouldn't go to my job and being like, all right, guys, front of the whole sales floor, don't respect my manager. <laughs> Call me in a room and I'm, I'm gone. Like, you just wouldn't do that. And I think Ronaldo done exactly the same thing, knowing that if he says something like that on a big platform, your time's up. Yeah, very true. Very He's true. engineered it perfectly. It'd be interesting to see where he ends up. I really don't know. Just a troublemaker, isn't he? He's an expensive troublemaker, but there's always someone, I guess. I still want to see PSG for what it's worth. I want to see it finally happen. <laughs> like the branding be complete. They can finally put Ronaldo and Messi in the same PSG advert, do some sort of collab that will look amazing. It's all there. Anyway, enough getting excited about Ronaldo and marketing. Um, I think that's the end of the podcast. So thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Um, First World Cup pod. Look at us. The dream team. And then we get better as we get, you know, used to the system, the tactics and all that stuff. So exciting times. I think episodes are going to be coming out every sort of two, three days. Um, certainly during the group stages. No rest for the wicked. Um, thank you very much for listening. Thank you. Cheers, lads.